Hi everybody and welcome to What Would The Smart Party Do? We're back again and this time we've got a new topic for discussion. There's me over here and there's him over there. Hello Gaz. Hello Baz, how are you? I'm really good thanks mate, really good. I'm, I'm super. There's a clue. Make a perception <laughs> check. What's the topic going to be about? <laughs> <laughs> right, the topic for this week is one that is dear to my heart. We're going to talk about superhero gaming. And, and all the good things about it and all the bad things about it and what works for us uh, and the good times we've had and the good times we haven't had and just treat it as a general topic and, and, and I think probably by its very nature we'll spin off into all kinds of other areas of discussion about supers generally so um, I guess let's get this thing started then Gaz so uh, supers gaming we've talked about it offline many many times I'm kind of a fan of the genre I'm less of a fan of the role-playing games that that have the word supers attached to them. I, I, I struggle to get it to work in role-playing games, but I love the genre and I like most of the stuff about it. and um, And that's my that's my sort of starting position. What's your take? Yeah, I think you're going to have to sell me on this one. I'm I'm not a fan of supers by and large. I don't mind superpowers. Uh, and things like that but I think supers generally leave me a little bit cold I know a lot of people sort of say it's more about the interactions of the people rather than the superpowers and the beating up villains and that kind of stuff there's all kinds of bits to it that I don't really get so they're kind of knocking bad guys out and locking them up so they'll inevitably escape and then kill another island full of people and then we just lock them up again it all seems a bit daft so that kind of four colours element I think puts me off but I do kind of like the the, the more if you went more X-Files with the supernatural stuff perhaps or the one uh, sort of superheroes game that I have played with any regularity has been Godlike, which is uh, talents as they call, but basically superheroes in the Second World War, and applying it to a kind of real world history or historical situation and seeing how that shakes out, and then you, you lose some of the spandex and four color element, and it gets a bit down and gritty, which is more where I'm my interest would lie, I would say generally. But yeah, I'd be interested for you to sell me on superhero games. I think uh, quite often the systems, I think even like you, Pete, we know uh, a few other people who really like superheroes, love comic books, love all the stories, uh, love you know Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., all that kind of stuff, really struggle to find systems a lot of times, certainly dedicated superhero systems that play the games that they see played out in comic books or on TV series or in cartoons or whatever. No, it's a, it's a fair shout, mate. I, again, uh, I love superheroes as a genre, and I don't think I'll ever sell you on buying Spider-Man comics. I don't think you're in the market for that, and that's absolutely cool. I've got millions. But I do love the genre, and I do love role-playing, and you would think that on paper, what a perfect fit. So I guess my first sell-me that I would use on anybody who's saying, why should I play superheroes in role-playing games, is if you play role-playing games already you are probably well used to things like having a team of highly capable individuals setting off to do missions, missions in inverted commas, or try to achieve goals, um, and probably vaguely heroic. Now, clearly that doesn't cover every type of role-playing game in the world. There's millions of games that are nothing like that at all, but it's it's the biggies. And, and do you know what? That That's that's a really good hook for role-playing games. It was certainly good enough for the original D&D and your rune quests and your tunnels and trolls and your traveller even and all of the original games was the idea of exactly that. A crew of highly capable people going off to not necessarily right wrongs but achieve things. And it's heroic fantasy. 
I mean, it's when you start putting a mask on these guys that it starts getting a little bit squinchy for people. <laughs> and I get it. I totally get it. But the, the the actual idea, if you just looked at it in theory, of like a super team, you'd think that's probably a better fit for most role-playing sessions than, than D&D would be, where you've got a bunch of murder hobos. It's nothing like Lord of the Rings with that particular party, is it? You've, you've got a bunch of guys who are largely out for themselves. And, and you know, they're, they're certainly not fighting crime. So I think superheroes as an ideal is brilliant, and that's why I get a little bit wound up sometimes in my 30-year search for a decent role-playing system that will support that kind of game or or even emulate the superhero comics that I read, which are mostly Marvel, your X-Men's and your Fantastic Fours and your Avengers, that kind of stuff. So it's pretty trad, and there, there just hasn't been for me a, a role-playing game that's really let me do that kind of stuff perfectly stuff that's got close and it'll all come up but but that that for me that's that's the selling point that party angle so does that make any sense to you guys because there must be games where you struggle to think what to do and in a supers game i would think the answer is really clear Uh, yeah it makes sense certainly um i think i don't know what's one of the sort of probably misconceptions i have about superheroes is there always seems to be some uh, challenge that they face that then or some you know some some wrong to right almost without too much of them instigating it or having a purpose it always seems to be to stop bad things happening almost mm. whereas more your more classic d and d or or those sort of games any role playing games you see more about what do your characters want to do and then we'll make the story about them going off and doing that thing whether it's exploring dungeons or gathering wealth or setting up a principality or whatever it might be hmm. I think that the superhero stuff seems more kind of reactive uh, with the sort of sub stories about do you get the girl or not and can you keep your identity safe from your your auntie or whatever it might be you know that sort of stuff it always seems to be sort of the big explosive action scenes are a kind of sideshow almost to the, the more relationship interactory bits but, but none of it seems to be from the point of view of you know what does superman want to achieve or spider-man or what's what's their reason for living and maybe i've not read enough of the material you know to know that but i think the difference well the main difference i could see is that general traditional role-playing games are more about what do you do it's kind of like what does your character want to do what's their purpose whereas uh superheroes more seem this thing's happened go and sort it out is that is that fair or am i just um naive and uh ill-educated no, it's totally fair, and, and and that education comes from probably most of your exposure to supers being through gaming, or people trying to pitch games to you, or you just reading game books. Because I think there's a massive disconnect between supers role playing games and supers the comics that I read on a on a regular basis. Because, and I think the best example of this that disconnect that I see, uh, and I'm not saying this is what you do, but I think maybe a lot of people will notice this is a uh, superhero films there's been loads certainly in the marvel universe over the last few years they are they're a mixed bag if you're a comics fan they're they're a decent watch if you just like action blockbusters and that kind of stuff and i'm not talking about just picking it apart from a nerd perspective but what does my head in slightly is that we just keep seeing the origin story over and over again so whether it's fantastic four or well, certainly Spider-Man, I've tried it about five times now we're seeing the stories that Stan Lee wrote in 1968 and it's now 2016 and things have moved on considerably in the world of comics but to the 
to the person who isn't into comics they still keep getting the same old pap shoveled in front of them which was stuff that was it was not really that great back then it was kind of very naive and very basic and 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 almost pulp it's almost like saying to people who like fiction the only books you can read are pulp fiction books from the 20s and 30s and, and that's clearly not right but that's all that ever seems to get served up and then I think superhero RPGs then double down on that and kind of give you the impression that the only thing you can do with them is the Batman original live action series from the 60s where it's all bam and spank and and that kind of stuff which it just it just hasn't been like that in comics for decades and and even even you could go back like 20 years to the 90s which is our favorite part of the role-playing history and comics had moved on well since then and it was all kind of dark and gritty and dark knight returns and martial law and all that kind of stuff and even when even when comics is doing its four color business it still isn't as naive and as basic as as perhaps the films would would have you believe so so i don't to answer your question i don't blame you at all for thinking in that way because to me comics and superhero superhero comics and gaming has for a very long time never been about wearing a mask trying to keep your secret identity secret or fighting crime uh, or patrolling the streets waiting for robbers that that's like 50 years old now and and it hasn't been that way for a very long time and all the things that you mentioned as subplots i see as the main plots and that's certainly what's happening in the comics now you can do entire runs of x-men and there'll be the occasional fight but mostly it's a soap opera in that particular comic book and and that's why the role-playing games that just have loads of rules for punch-ups just don't seem to fit what's currently happening in comics very well so yeah i i I don't yeah you probably you're probably not that well steeped in it mate but i wouldn't blame you for thinking that way because the comics designers and rpg designers keep serving up the wrong thing and is it a problem trying to get a game together for it or why well, we think that we might struggle finding one uh, because of those differences. You kind of got those um, soap opera type elements, which I think something like Smallville tackles, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to something that's all about the powers and all the cool doodads you can do. So, wild talents and godlike and all that have these cafeteria style systems where you can mm-hmm. pick and mix bunches of dice with certain points to build up your superpowers to do the thing you want. And I think one of the, one of the flaws for both of those. I think I've heard from different people actually is that it's too easy to game. So while a comic book or the the or that sort of thing might set things up in a certain way um, to balance out powers or to make the uh, the relationships sort of like become tense at the right time and that sort of stuff, it's a lot harder to achieve in a game. So even something like Smallville, which is about the relationships, I know that you can actually game that, so you can automatically win some relationships in inverted commas or you know you can you can still game the system to win stuff like godlike you can you can give yourself just hyper coordination or some other things that are just really good and all the interesting powers the stuff that i'd like to see in a game unless you do it as a one-off at a convention and you make all the superheroes yourself and set them up so they've just got interesting powers rather than the ones that will win you don't get that because people just can't help but try and make something more powerful. Mm. So it's part of the problem, actually, trying to get, A, the balance between the powers bit and the relationship bit, or not just having a system that does one or the other, but also that it all seems to come down to, you know, there's, there's no way of stopping that power creep in one way or another. So you know, it becomes Green Lantern's got this vulnerability to uh, yellow or whatever, or you know, Superman has to have kryptonite, otherwise 
there'd be no way of challenging him. Is, is that part of the issue, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It totally, totally is for me. And it stopped me running campaigns before I've even pitched them because I just know that that's exactly what's going to happen. So I've seen real-life examples in almost every time and the occasions I've managed to get some supers gaming going on of somebody wants to get a gun. And there are vanishingly small amount of, of characters in superhero games that use guns because they're boring. Punisher makes it look all right. That's fine. I get it. But, you know, Spider-Man never uses a gun because it's not very cool. Uh, and if they're not doing that, they're trying to solve investigations by getting on the internet. And that's another thing you just don't see people tapping <laughs> away on their laptops. And and I don't think this is this is purely superhero stuff. This is just people trying to be effective rather than interesting. And I totally get why that happens. And, and that could happen in any game. And I'd always, always encourage myself to try and be interesting rather than effective. But it's too easy to get into an arms race because RPG supers games tend to put the powers front and centre as the most important thing about your character and they give the majority of the rules to it and so on and so forth but when you read comics you realise the powers are the least interesting thing about the characters by far the least interesting thing about Cyclops who's a fairly boring character anyway is the fact that he's got eye beams that's <laughs> the, the very very least thing about it but any role playing game that wants to replicate Cyclops puts those those eye beams and his optic blasts at the front and centre of everything and has various levels of what you can do with it and how many buildings he can flatten and so on. And he doesn't even get to do it very much in the comics. So, again, I don't blame people for this and I think you can do it with any game system. I see it happen in D&D just as much where people think that they're defined by their magic items, for example, which are just portable superpowers as far as I can tell. So it's prevalent. So you've got to get in the right mindset. And that's that's where I think the first trouble is. We discussed this when we talked about sci-fi a few episodes ago. If I sit down and say, right, guys, let's all play supers, the first question from the table has got to be, what sort? Because you could be thinking godlike and probably would be, and I might be thinking X-Men, and somebody else might be thinking Guardians of the Galaxy, and yet another person might be thinking Powerpuff Girls. So you've kind of got to get your tropes right before you start doing your campaign and before you start doing your RPG. So... You know, and I don't think, I genuinely don't think you can have people who want to play gritty sitting at the same table as people who want to play Batman animated series, genuinely, because I think they might as well play different games. What do you reckon, mate? Could could you could you play gritty superheroes if, even if there were other people around the table who wanted there to be captions every time they throw a punch? No, I think that that feeds into what we've said previously, isn't it? About just general expectations and getting everybody on the same sort of page. It's there's no point trying to play the one ring where you're all goodies and you can't slit anyone's throat if you've got someone who wants to play a D&D rogue and slit people's throats it's just not going to work for you so you've got to get your sort of expectations out right so mm. probably one of the problems is trying to find that where all the Venn diagrams fit so you can find something that will tick some boxes for everybody I guess yeah yeah no I, I think that's right so so you, you've got to do that to begin with haven't you and and even picking up something like Marvel superhero role playing and thinking, well, let's do it the Marvel way. That's still an awful lot of ground to cover, and you've got to narrow it right down from there, because there, there's a huge spectrum, just from Daredevil to the Silver Surfer alone, and that's with the more obvious stuff. Um, so yeah, you've got to tie it all down. Um, but I suppose one of the things that it does. No, I was just going to say it feels a little bit like. Have you played Houses of the Blooded, which is a John Wick game? I am aware of it, but I've not played it. 
Okay, so that that is a it's a more uh, kind of proper intrigue game, and you're all surrounded by these other nobles, and they're all better than you would have to get, you know, that kind of stuff. But the interesting mechanical bit I like is you've kind of got I think it's four or five different spheres of influence, and there's one of them you just shit at. There's there's one where it might be like you know physical might or diplomacy or whatever it is, but you have that at zero. So like if you get in that kind of situation, you're pretty much screwed. But the other four out of the five, then you you know you'll have some points to a greater or lesser extent. So when you're doing supers, when you're making characters, whatever system it is, do you need something a bit like that where you've got to have some point that's you know you just rubbish at or just, mm. you know some weakness it doesn't need to be kryptonite but I don't know is that does that fit in with the superheroes or yeah because I think one of the things people try to do certainly when you give them points by systems is they try and cover all the bases and protect themselves as best they can and, and mitigate as many flaws and that kind of stuff yeah so do you need to yeah. sort of like set that at the start saying look we want you to have some flaws what are they yeah, I, I think you do, mate. And, and many systems will do that with with a with a flaw or a distinction or a disadvantage. And, and kryptonite would be a classic, wouldn't it? I suppose, um, or a secret identity or whatever. And that's just like adding interest to your character. I mean, fate makes a thing out of it just generally with a trouble aspect. And you kind of got to have that, otherwise, it's I don't think it works as a game at all without that, because that gives you something to do. And that's the key: is that when you're coming up with your scenarios for role-playing supers, I think the very worst thing you can do is fall back on that old, um, you know, let's have a bank robbery going on. Because again, like I say, Matt, I don't think I've seen that happen in a comic for a very, very long time. And it doesn't address, usually, the character's flaws, which is where you should get your scenario ideas from. Those are the challenges and the obstacles that you should put up for those kind of people. Now, some games do a decent job of it. Uh, Marvel Heroic is 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 probably one of the better of the bunch and people will have their own opinions on that it's really difficult to get hold of these days but it's the last one that happened it was by margaret weiss productions it's good stuff almost impenetrable but worth sticking with there's a capsule review review and that does a pretty good job of um of giving people reasons to get stuff wrong and for troubles to happen and it also does a decent job of having people play to their niches um, by making you pick a particular Marvel character and those things are generally speaking written pretty well so to answer your question directly I think generally speaking one of the things I like about supers is that it encourages you to pick a niche rather than a bunch of all-rounders um, in the same way as classic D&D wants a magic user a thief and a fighter and a cleric because it's a good thing to do to foster teamwork and a team mentality supers works best if you do something similar to that because if you've just got a bunch of loners you haven't got a team at all and who wants to play x-men where everybody's wolverine but that needs discussing that needs discussing a lot in the rule book and it needs discussing at the table too i've I've done role-playing sessions before for supers where the guys have come up with people who can fly are invulnerable got all the best defenses dead good socially and they've done that thing where they've just spread their points so thin across everything because they don't want to have any weaknesses and it's just not interesting but it wouldn't be interesting in hot war would it either yeah i think one of the good ones i've seen um i need to go back and revisit actually i only had a bit of a a flick through so i'm not fully off there but uh better angels oh yeah which was um it's one where you you sort of Villains, really, or so. Well, you superheroes trying to do good, but your your powers come from a demon. 
So you're kind of walking a bit of a fine line. It's, and it's that thing, it's an old conceit from Braith where you had a shadow and some other player played your dark side kind of thing. And it's that sort of thing that you have your hero with their abilities, but all, the player to your left or right or whatever plays your your demon who's constantly trying to get you to use more power and, and claw you down to hell eventually, basically. And you're trying to walk this fine line between keeping the demon happy enough that they still keep surprising you with power but you don't go too far down that slippery slope that they take your soul away and that's the end of you kind of thing and that adds some real um, it's not just a flaw that's like something interactive happening at the, the table right in front of you which I really like the, the struggle can be finding the balance that you don't get someone guy who likes to play the demon so much that they keep doing that all the time and forget to play the wrong character and that sort of thing so it takes mm. a little bit of spinning plates from the GM and the other players to make sure that you get a fair shake of all the different roles but I think that sort of thing we it, it could you know it might not be a demon you could call it your conscience or, or whatever it is that you you want to call it but having other players directly interact with the other players around the table I think helps keep that kind of tension and the the interest going what do you reckon to that sort of idea I think that's super cool and that, that's that's just you know a million times more advanced as an origin story because everyone's got to have an origin story. In other games, they call it backgrounds, but it's all essentially origin stories. That's all better than um, I realised I had a power, so I used it to stop bank robberies. Because I think that's the last thing you would ever do. <laughs> the last thing you would ever do. <laughs> and and you know, there's been some really good attempts in other media to say what would you do if you develop superpowers. And if you want to throw demons into the mix as well, then it, I think it just gets double interesting. But even at a very basic level, if you had. The, the smallest superpower ever but it was real and legit you could spin so many stories out of it the film Chronicle does a, does a pretty good job of that, I, I almost missed yeah, it because yeah. the title makes you think it's going to be something with elves I think <laughs> so I almost missed it as, as for what it is which is which is a really good treatment of what would happen when young lads get superpowers and they certainly don't put on masks and they absolutely do not fight crime um, and, and, and that's without any real, you know, none of that kind of extra story grit that you put in from better angels and uh am i right in thinking better angels is greg stoltzy i think i am yeah right yeah, okay so. so i'll see your greg stoltzy and i'll raise you a greg stoltzy for superhero games so he's uh <laughs> he wrote progenitor which is bonkers and and the conceit in this is and i'm, and I'm going to get the math slightly off but you go and look it up it's really cool so the, the idea of progenitor is that there's one person in the world gets the biggest superpower suite you can get so she can do a bit of everything but essentially superman and, and that's pretty awesome it doesn't really matter why she gets it right just bear with me the thing is her superpowers are they can be transmitted like a virus so when she uses her superpowers on people, they gain a lesser version of her superpowers, but only up to a certain number. So they become like the, you know, the second generation. And then those second generation people, they could use their superpowers on people and they catch supers as well. Uh, again, it's only a certain number. But by the time you get down to like the 10th generation, and that's when it's so small that you can barely tell it's a superpower anymore. It's just someone who's very lucky or someone who's quite good looking, that kind of thing. Maybe just an athlete. You're up to about 3 million people. But the beauty of it is, is that the people who catch supers didn't necessarily want it and sometimes got it in a situation of extreme violence. In fact, sometimes they were a bank robber that a previous superhero was trying to stop with their powers. 
So the way it unfolds is just amazing about the character stories that, that people are trying to catch it or some people are trying to catch supers and some people are desperately trying to avoid it. Some people, then they realise they can pass it on. So what do they do with that? That's interesting. Do they give it to their friends and family? Do they keep it a secret? Do they get hunted? And the whole thing kicks off uh, in the 60s and in Progenitor, you then get a 50-year write-up of what would have happened to the planet Earth as we know it. So a big what-if story. And you can jump in at any year and see how fundamentally different it is. And there'll be no spoilers, but you get to the year 2000, and it's not the year 2000 we remember at all. So that's the kind of stuff that just thinks it makes you think, this isn't about masks anymore, and it certainly isn't about capes. This is about this is a really good situation and I want to find out what happens when we muck about with it. And those are the best games. Yeah, that does sound quite interesting. So d- does it perhaps need... I mean, I didn't really hear much about Progenitor. I heard some people say it was good. Um, but then they just said, oh, it's a great superheroes thing. And I switched off thinking it was another Marble or Wild Talents or something like that, I guess. So is it perhaps the marketing of superheroes games themselves? Or is part of the problem that I see at conventions, and that's what I think, I call it problem in inverted commas, but that I just think it's a certain way and it seems to attract people who like four-colour supers or expect a certain amount of thing. I mean, I've, I've supers games generally in conventions where I've just got bad press that they're not marketed to people who aren't superheroes fans already in the same way that a lot of Marvel films, you know, the sort of the words getting out about comics and superheroes and all that and it's getting more mainstream. But for ages, mm. anything to do with that just appealed to people who are into comics and not the wider audience. Yeah, it's... It's generic. It's totally generic. And and the big players, if there are any left at all in the role-playing industry, are very generic games like Mutants and Masterminds. And, and arguably Marvel Heroic is a generic game because it covers such a, a broad spectrum. And, and people seem to want that. And they wanted it back when Golden Heroes was a thing because people love constructing superheroes for some reason. Uh, I, I, I'm not particularly fussed about generating superheroes. I'd rather read a superhero comic. Um, I'm, but I am much more interested in playing superheroes in situations like the ones you've described, which are, are just take situation, add power equals story, because it just does. And most of the role-playing games we play already are that exactly. It's just people don't wear masks and capes, you know. Anyone who's got... Oh, at most role-playing, even basic Call of Cthulhu, there's somebody who's got a superpower that's just wrapped up in different trappings, isn't it? And it might be insane knowledge yeah. or connections, you know, or you're basically Tony Stark without the Iron Man suit, whatever. So I love those kind of things. And there are loads and loads of really cool superheroes games which are not generic at all and are only work because they're not generic. Um, Kerberos Club would be one, which is Victorian superheroes. Um, you got Progenitor, as we discussed, and certainly Godlike. And, and Progenitor came after Godlike with Wild Talents in the middle, which was the more generic of the few. Um, yeah. So th- th- there are quite a few out there. And then there's new stuff. So it's still in Kickstarter now in production, but there's a game called Masks, which is about teenage superheroes. And don't run away. Please come back. It's, um, but it's about, <laughs> it's about the relationships that they have, you know, in a kind of X-Men Academy. And it's again, little to do with the powers and much more to do with kind of like relationships and romance and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, th- there is, there is quite a few. I, I just think it, it suffers from the same thing that sci-fi does where people just think all kinds of different things, but they kind of default to maybe traveler and there are other more interesting things that you could do uh, and I just think that the stories that are getting told in comics are 
they're clearly they're not all brilliant but they are very very gameable and i think it's a huge resource and if you don't go and look at that resource because you're worried about people leaping tall buildings in a single bound and catching bullets with their teeth i think you're missing out and i think comics moved on from that a long time ago no 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 one of the kind of ideas i've got i think i'm not sure whether discussed before i seems to ring a bell but it's about the use of powers and i really like the clever use of powers mm. uh, particularly abhor the stupid use of them or when people forget they can do something or that kind of thing and i think that sort yeah. of happens in games a bit some of the good bits about the godlike games i've played is thinking up some crazy power that a german might have uh, and then apply that in some way that would you know help with the war effort but you know in other circumstances might not be any use at all but it just seems to you know you can think of uh ridiculous ways in which these powers might suddenly have a, an unexpected benefit uh, and i think that's quite often missing or you know, people will go for the, uh, oh, I've got a death case, so I automatically kill people and I look at them. Well, that's quite boring. Surely there's more interesting powers you could have. And then applying those powers in ways that are interesting as well. I think that can be sometimes a failing. People look for a, an obvious solution all the time, do you think? Mm. It's, uh, rather than thinking, I've got this this one power, how could I use it cleverly? So Magneto has mm. obviously got lots of, you know, applications, because it's anything to do with metal, it can do anything with, which kind of gives you too broad a scope arguably but uh, the bad application of powers or when they, when it's lazy story writing or that kind of stuff I think that's one of the yeah. pe- things that turns people off certainly me so is, mm. is there any help out there or any games that support interesting use of powers or have you any advice on how you do it yeah because uh, the trouble is the, the games uh, again this is where I think it lets down they, they take the opposite tack and they're actually trying to put caps on interesting use of powers most of the time rather than letting people be free and and i get why so you know take a couple of examples that people might know so uh x-men film possibly the first one where magneto sort of takes all of the metal out of someone's body and it comes out like iron filings that's you know that's it's cool it's clever and and it's just really cool um but he clearly doesn't do that to everybody he ever meets who gets in his way it's kind of he does it once and he never does it again because it would be uncinematic to do it again and boring and the rest of it but if you had a if you had a player possibly even me playing that character and i invented a really cool use of my power that being one the temptation to just do it over and over and over again and spam it is huge because it's really effective Mm. And it gets less cool every time you do it. And then eventually you end up with a row with the other players or the GM because they'll have to come up with some kind of uh, some kind of answer to that, some kind of like power-turning-off device. And then, and then you just get back into four-color <laughs> realms again. And, and this happens, you know, in the comics, this happens all the time too because you get stuff like, I'll go with the Fantastic Four. I remember reading a comic back in the 80s where Mr. Fantastic, who can stretch, that's his ability. He's just very stretchy. And he just wanted to look at something. He didn't have his microscope handy, so he made one eye really big. <laughs> and it's like, okay. But he'd never, ever, ever done that before. And to my knowledge, has never done that since. Because the writer was was cool enough to not pull the same old trick. Whereas Johnny Storm, who's the human torch in the Fantastic Four, he's kind of notable for having a Nova power where he just heats up to the heat of the sun and it's kind of like his Armageddon button. He's pushed it more than once, but he doesn't do it in every panel. And and the advice you get in the role-playing books is they very rarely come up with any mechanics for this. They just say, please encourage people to not do that. And and that's a shame. So 
there's loads of rules in there for stunts and so on and and loads of usually what happens guys is you you would get like a blank line on your character sheet and you 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 pull off a stunt because you invent it in the moment during the scenario and then you have to write it down and it just gives you reuse powers but arguably you should never be able to do the same stunt twice if you were really going to replicate yeah. what goes on in the movies you should actually start your character with like a list of a hundred cool stunts and you have to cross them off with pen when you use them. (laughs) (laughs) So they're like loads of one-shot things. And you might have like flight written on there 20 times. So you can do that 20 times over the course of the campaign. But you might only have like the Nova power written on there once. That that might be a better way of approaching it because I don't think the systems do a great job of it, mate. I think they would punish you for being clever. Yeah, that's a shame. So do you do you think um, do we even need superhero systems? Then I guess is the sort of thing. Is it something that more lends itself to uh, a narrative kind of game, or perhaps if we go back to something uh, like Over the Edge, mm. where basically yeah. you have a, a thing that defines you, and then two other traits, and then a flaw, and those yeah. four things make up your entire character, and you can do what you want around that. Is there something like that? Arguably, what you want for superheroes. Yeah, I think so. I think I think superhero games are almost every role playing game is a superhero game if you take some of the trappings off of it. Certainly, the closest I've ever got if you just wanted to replicate superhero fights would be D and D Fourth Edition. Apart from the fact that somebody was a ranger and somebody was a fighter and so on, it was a great superpower emulator, um, and with with dailies and encounter powers and at wills and that kind of stuff. That's exactly what it did with forced movement too, which is pushing people through walls. That's a superhero game, and I think Wizard of the Coast missed a yeah. real trick with releasing it exactly as such. You'd think they could have afforded to reach out to Marvel, and I think you know that would have crossed the streams beautifully. Anyway, I digress. The point is, I think you are right, guys. I think the superhero games probably don't need somebody in a mask on the front of their cover. I think repurposing stuff to sell superhero stories is a better idea. Uh, and what kind of gets me down sometimes is watching loads of discussion for games like um, Fate, which is a really good narrative system. And people go, I want to do superheroes with Fate, but I don't know how to do the powers. To which my answer to myself when I've asked myself that question is, don't do the powers. Just don't. Just play it anyway. And and if you want to be like the Black Panther, write down, I am the Black Panther as your main aspect and just play the game. And then it won't be about your powers. It'll be about what you do and why you do stuff and what happens when you do it. Because the Black Panther has got nothing to do with his vibranium claws. Not really. There are probably loads of people who don't even know he's got them. It's about much, much more than that. And if you want to be Superman, <laughs> don't don't waste your slots on like flight and superhuman strength and heat vision because Superman's not really about that. He's about the American ideal and uh, that's what he's about. And that's what the story's about. The stories are never about his heat vision. I don't think, I don't really read a lot of DC, but I'm pretty sure they weren't because his story's been told for like 100 years now. So yeah, I don't think it needs it, mate. I think you should just, you know... Um, bear down on a, on a game that you really like and it could be a superhero rpg but just just demote the power section to where it needs to be which is as valuable as the equipment section in a call of cthulhu book because it's not about that yeah that makes a lot of sense so i suppose the other thing we've got to mention there then is that you've mentioned being superman or whatever and there's, there's a kind of a 
I guess there's two schools of thought is that some people want to actually be Captain America or whatever and some people want to make their own superhero but you've kind of got the problem that whatever you think of whatever cool power it might be or your story mm-hmm. or whatever with the, the decades of comic books that have been it's already probably been invented and in fact between DC and Marvel they've covered the same ground a lot between themselves so yeah. how do you kind of handle that thing about emulating a superhero which as we know can sometimes go awry you know someone says they want to be mm. Captain America but then plays the character very little like Captain America is but mm. have a shield they can throw around um, and how do you balance that against someone who just wants to make their own thing up but without some of the nerd coming along and going oh well that's just like Flash from the comics or something like that I mean, mm-hmm. how, how do you define your character or on the, other, on the other hand how do you play a character but make it your own without having to follow all the, the tenets and canon that's out there yeah, yeah. Captain Canada doesn't quite have the same ring, does it? <laughs> Sorry, Canadians. <laughs> you got Alpha Flight. They were a pretty good team. Uh, well, I mean, we we have a mutual friend, mate, and every character who's ever played has been Wolverine. He just doesn't write that on a character sheet. I mean, every single time. You know, and he doesn't always have Antium Claws. He could be playing, like, um, uh, the Blue Planet. He's basically playing Wolverine. I think that's all right. I mean, that's one of the things I like about superhero characters is they're they're really good archetypes or templates for stuff. Now, some people, when they're generating their character, will think about uh, somebody they know from a book or from a film or, I don't know, Kevin Spacey and The Usual Suspects, and that'll be what they've got in their head. So they just think up something like that and do a cover version of it. And that's okay. Well, I kind of do that too, but I always use the Black Widow all the time (laughs) no matter what really (laughs) (laughs) I know it's kind of obvious Um, and I think that's okay and then I think as games unfold your character becomes less like what you thought it was going to be at the start and I think that's actually a little bit of a lost art in role playing games that the characters can be allowed to change from your original vision if you lock yourself down too much I, I find it harder and harder to play my original vision I'm not talking about like growing as a person but just there's just a bit of drift that comes from the interaction with the other people around the table, from interaction with the scenario, from interaction with the world. You can't know everything at the start, so you can't bring up a fully formed character. So I kind of like starting with broad brush strokes and then seeing what happens. And I think that's something that supers can do very well because you can just start with a suite of powers um, and an alignment, for want of a better term, and possibly a crazy name, and then see what happens. But you've got to get past that rough patch I think you have at the start where you look too much like a cartoon, literally two-dimensional. I think it takes time mm. to sort of to bring out the, the third dimension. Um, and, and that takes work from everyone. And I think the thing that derails more Supers games than anything is a tendency towards Gonzo. And that will derail any game, I think. And it happens just as much in post-apocalypse games or even straight-up fantasy games. Um, but the tendency to do that when you're covered in shiny lycra is really, really big. So the, the question yeah. I had for you, Gaz, is, is is that one of the things that stops you even signing up at a con because of the masks and capes element? Because there's plenty of other media like Heroes and Godlike where that isn't the case and that might seem to be a bit more approachable. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, the whole underpants outside your lycra thing doesn't really flop my boat at all either. Um I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. I think. I think you're right. I think there there is that element of people camping it up. If you've got that kind of dressing to it, or the you know the picture on the front of the book's got some of the cape flying in the wind, it does kind of feel like people are going to go and do a, a caricature of a cartoon, for want of a mm. better phrase, if you know what I mean. Um, one of the 
cartoons I did quite like actually is um, The Incredibles that was on again the other night yeah uh, where it's saying you know don't wear capes and uh, the, the the woman who makes these suits goes into a big diatribe about it and then goes to all these different people who have problems because of the cape getting caught in a jet turbine or stuck mm. in a rocket as it flew off and all that kind of stuff and I, I like that kind of deconstruction of the but why are you wearing a cape actually because there's no you know even characters who can fly why are they wearing a cape it doesn't do anything and if they're worried about how they look, they can wear their underpants on the inside. So, yeah, that, I think it does feed into it, that kind of um, spangly lycra or, or that kind of stuff. Just makes it seem like, I don't know why you would. I mean, certainly the, the more recent movies and stuff like that are helping in terms of making it seem more realistic in terms of giving them you know, different shades of leather and that kind of thing or a, mm. some kind of bioweave polymer to stop bullets, which makes a bit more sense. But yeah, probably the dressing puts me off quite a lot of the time. But that's just a personal preference thing. And I know some people who like it. Because hmm. I don't really mind... You see, the weird thing is I don't mind... If I know I'm playing a pulpy game, I'm quite happy playing you know, Indiana Jones or something like that, which will have quite a lot of the tropes in terms of the villain always getting away and that kind of thing. Um, but for some reason in superheroes, I think because of the high camp that tends to come out of it, or the monologuing and all that kind of stuff, it just seems to feel a little bit too pantomime, for want of a better mm-hmm. word. Yep. Which yep, is fine yep. if you like it, but it's not really down my my strasser. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a fair point, mate. I mean, there are, there are a bunch of tropes, definitely in comic books. I mean, I like tropes generally because I like to paint within the lines with games and work within structures because that works for me. I don't like it to go too crazy. Um, uh, as in, I don't mean too crazy. I mean too off piste. I like to stick within you know the setting that we've agreed to play in. So comic tr- tropes of which there are millions, can be handy, but they're less good if they're seen as a checklist of things to always include. So yeah. the 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 supervillain always coming back from the dead, it, it's a hairy old trope. It's, it's no worse than a lot of the monsters in horror games that just cannot be killed. But I agree with you that it's it just seems a bit bloody annoying because it's so obvious, whereas the monster that cannot be killed is terrifying. Whereas a super villain coming back to life is just obvious and bound to happen, and yeah. you know you're going to have to kill him twice. So there's loads of ways around that, and I think you know, as a as a medium for subversion, I'd be really interested in playing a superheroes game that you ran because you would subvert it, and it would be interesting because you wouldn't be able to rely on those comic book tropes. The same with monologuing as well. I mean, monologuing happens in 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 any AD and D module with box text where they have the villain <laughs> wants to speak to you and players being players they want to do the Indiana Jones thing of just pull the gun and shoot them while they're talking <laughs> so it's not just it's not just supers but it grates in supers doesn't it because it just seems like you're yeah. going through going through the motions and constructing your scenarios from a bunch of really obvious lego bricks instead of being super creative with it and and I would say that modern comic books writers are are avoid all of that stuff like the plague and you don't see so many capes these days or if you do there's a reason why and it's always post 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 modern these days. Um, but there there's loads of there's loads of great super stories going on that simply don't rely on that stuff uh, in the same way as there's loads of fantasy going on that doesn't rely on an elves and dwarves. It's as hackneyed as that. Yeah, I think. Well, I think one of the possibly one of the things about it is that is that trying to make things iconic I know you're saying you want players to have the niche or whatever but if you've got the guy who can always get into 
you know, get into places because he can teleport, or the guy can always do this, or the guy can always do that. It then becomes a bit kind of cliche in and of itself. Straight away, you're like, oh, well, it's this problem, so you're the key for that, so you use your power to do that thing, sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you look at something which isn't strictly supers, but uh, Mage, the Ascension, I've not read the new one, but I know you've had a lot of love for that game, and, and I've quite liked it in the past as well, but never really got a game off the ground. And that's where you have spheres of influence. So you'll have, like, I don't know, life and material and something else. And you, you try and pull in these different spheres to explain the effect that you want to develop. But you don't strictly have, you know, laser vision and teleportation or something. You try and come up with cool ways to use your spheres of influence and why you might pull these different parts together and how that will create a spell, basically, um, or a superpower, whatever you want to call it. I think in the game it's a spell. But I think something like that might work better for me in, in superheroes where you're not, you aren't, you know, Mr. Fantastic, or you want the Flash or something, you, but you have a range of uh, raw material about you, if you know what I mean, and then you could all cover the same problem, but in different ways, and I think it comes back to that thing you were saying about not using the same stunt twice, is if you've got a problem, um, and you've got this base clay for it that everybody can mould from, there could be lots of different ways that each character attempts the same, you know, sol- gets a solution to the same problem, and that sort of thing, and probably mm-hmm. that makes it more palatable for it, rather than having a poster child for a certain set of abilities, or a certain you know, this guy always acts in this way, sort of thing. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I, I, I definitely think so. It's um, you know, if you take any, I won't take an iconic one. I take a, something slightly less used. I don't know, Nightcrawler out of the X Men. He's acrobatic and he can teleport, but teleport doesn't win every single issue of his comic. Um, but if you had that power in the real world, you would. There'd be nothing you couldn't do with creative use of teleport. So the comic book writers have the luxury of being the sole author of the comic book um, them and the artist obviously but they can not have stuff happen just because they say so and as long as people are still reading it it's still considered a win but you know when you've got you've got six people around the table someone's trying to be creative the GM's looking at their scenario utterly unfold in front of their eyes because it's just been destroyed then I think you need to take a different tack and that that's true of loads of stuff that happens where you're trying to emulate another piece of media with role-playing games. Role-playing games are role-playing games. They're not comics. They're not films. They're not books. They're not other genres. Um, but it, it has never been more important to be on the same page. And the idea of scenarios, pre-written scenarios for a super team, seems to be just very odd indeed. And to go back to your example, Mage the Ascension... Is notorious for having terrible published adventures because how can you possibly predict what's going to happen when when every protagonist in the game can change reality at will? And, and, and <laughs> Mage Mage asks fantastic questions along the way, but you won't find the answers in a published scenario for it. The characters are so good, and I think superheroes are so good that really I'd like to see it done in a powered by the apocalypse way of like let's just follow you your characters around for a couple of hours and spark off each other and all right you can you're invulnerable what do you do and if you can't come up with a decent answer to that then you've got no right playing a superhero <laughs> yeah very true so what uh, out of the the gamut of games that we've got out there which ones which ones would you recommend to someone if someone's going to have a go at superhero gaming are there any in particular you you choose or yeah, would you mm, just? Or is it more about how you would set up the game itself, and then you use whatever system you think you like to look of? Yeah, I, I think 
I think I think I would definitely recommend a few things. So, so there's there's been stuff that's got close. I, I don't none of them are perfect for me, but they might be perfect for somebody else. So the first thing I would do is 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 have a look at what you want to get out of the game. So if you want to play uh, comic book stories is it because you like the marvel cinematic universe because that's different to what's happening in the marvel comics line which is different to what's happening in the ultimates comic line which is different to what's happening in the and so on and so on and so on so narrow down your focus a little bit first of all i would suggest before you even think about picking up a game and then when you do think about what you like in your chosen field of comicdom then think about what do you like most about that do you want do you like the setting in which case i might suggest not looking at a superhero game at all and looking at another game and just adding powers to it in a non-mechanical sense or do you want to be able to play in that world as as characters and tell new stories with it and so on in which case a superhero game might do the trick so if you had to go generic I would say superhero stories are all about stories so I would pick a narrative game and I think Fate does a really good job of that kind of stuff and if you absolutely have to have powers pick icons which is a Fate variant and it's not exactly Fate it's a bit crunchier than that but it's got it's nicely done it's relatively inexpensive and it's got loads and loads of extra kit for it Uh, don't be put off by the cartoon art of Cactus Man which kind of put me off when I started. <laughs> uh, underneath that, it could be as grim or gritty a game as you like. So I think icons would be for generic. Uh, Marvel Heroic Role-Playing, the last game, is really, really hard to get these days and definitely difficult to get in actual print because Marvel pulled the license away at the last minute. But they got they got the basic rules out there, and it, you could track this stuff down by fair means or foul. The game is is really, really good if you want to play Marvel the way that marvel write their comics um and it takes loads and loads of digging to get to the good stuff the the rule book's laid out quite messily and if you can get someone to teach it to you i think you'll love it it's called the cortex system which is used in things like leverage and smallville which you mentioned before garrison and it's it's a really good action adventure way of, of replicating marvel comics um but my actual recommendation would be to do the sort of thing that you do is to go to go off into the edges of stuff and go looking for like those cool creators because i don't think there's a game designer out there who hasn't written a superhero game yet i think all game designers secretly want to do it and some of them have done it and dressed it up as other things so you'll you will no doubt find you know, greg stoltzy has got a really really good take on supers whether you go for godlike or wild talents or uh, a grim world or, or progenitor or, or any of the stuff that he's done that's really interesting and and then all your other designers too have probably got a little supers thing knocking around somewhere there's a really old game called capes which will do your head in recommend tracking it down <laughs> <laughs> it's got actual jigsaw pieces for characters uh very odd uh and then one of my faves which you just don't see mentioned very much at all these days i don't know why it seems to have fallen off the radar is truth and justice which is uh, powered by a system called pdq uh, which has been used in a few other games pdq is pretty basic it was kind of pre-fate but you can see where fate got a lot of its notions from um, and truth and justice was a was a really cool game that introduced me to the idea of punching spider-man in the relationship with his girlfriend and dealing him damage because you have traits and that can expire that way and and that, that seems old hat now but at the time that was that was really cool so yeah there's a few there's a few that be, and you'd have to do your research 
Um, and, and some people will swear by the old Marvel superheroes game, which was around in the 80s. And some people will swear by mutants and masterminds. There's there's more role playing games out there with supers in the title than you could ever play. Um, and, and my suggestion would be to not play them and focus on your story instead, <laughs> and pick up Hot War and do a supers game using that because yeah. that's your 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 default suggestion normally, isn't it? Or or Over the Edge, or even Castle Falkenstein, or or do what I do: is run D and D every week and not let on that you're playing a superheroes game and see how long it takes for people to notice yeah I think there's um, yeah I mean I, I just default to Hot War I think and play the sort of stories I wanted which is which is fine um, I like the idea of having um, a different take in it as well I think to sort of avoid some of the issues that that I have whether the people see them or not in terms of that uh, the same old origin story and the same kind of tropes and all the rest of it is to, to look for those different bits and pieces like that progenitor that you mentioned or I remember from Wild Talents, they've got there's a bit in there. I'm not sure whether Ken Height wrote that bit or not, or whether it was Stolze or one of the others. Or you know, there's a few of them, aren't there? Um, mm-hmm. But it kind of has different dials into it. So yeah, there's like blue, gold, and other colours. I can't remember the exact details. I haven't had time to look it up, but it's it's kind of how four colour you want to make something, or how gritty you want it to be, or how it should affect the powers have on the world, or that kind of stuff. And he, he has a variety of axes that can, you can kind of fiddle around with your your worlds and stuff, which I quite like. And I, I can't really remember one of the event, the example ones they had in the back of the book, but it's kind of crossed with a sort of seventies black exploitation vibe as well. I just remember this really cool picture of a, a superhero with a massive afro and flares and stuff, which for some reason really appealed to me. I don't know whether the adventure was any good or not, but hmm. that kind of mixing things up and, and turning all the dials so you get the sort of game that you want and not worrying too much about hoving to any one particular set of canon or whatever else. I think that's that's probably where I get my jollies. Yeah, uh, I, I remember exactly. It's, it's called the four color axis thing. They use it in Progenitor as well, and, it, and every year they show you what axis stuff is on, which is the levers and dials you take for for grit and realism and impact. And it's, I mean, Wild Talents is actually a good shout, mate, because even if you don't use the rules, it's a really good essay on how best to game with supers and to use that kind of stuff. I mean, anything written by that stable of, of guys is just good meat anyway isn't it and there's always going to be yeah. a healthy dose of horror dripped onto the top of it just to make it even nastier so that's all good um in fact my generic advice would be to um to read the advice chapter in whatever rule system you pick up and that's generic advice for everything it's the one that people skip a lot but i think the advice in a superhero game is more pertinent to your enjoyment of that game than not and even if you think, oh, this is no problem, I just need to be able to find out how to give people like you know laser vision and jumping speed. No, you don't. You you really do need to to read that advice bit and have your players do the same because you you kind of need to be on the same four color page. Otherwise, it's gonna go stupid really really fast. Cool. Well, I think I've covered everything that I know or wanted to know about supers with that Baz, unless you've any other thoughts. No, no, I, no, I don't think so, mate. I, I'm still waiting for. A, I don't pass myself off as the expert here at all. Just really well read, but not well played. Uh, I would love <laughs> to play more supers games than I do. Uh, I think I do play a lot of supers games, but they're dressed up as Deadlands Hell on Earth sometimes. You know, it's, you don't realise you're playing a supers games, but that's the mentality I have in my head. So I, I would like to hear from people who've got successful supers campaigns going and tell me what kept them going beyond the second or third session which is when my stuff tends to fizzle a little bit so i'd love to hear from people about how they manage it mate yeah and as i'm not really a super kind of guy i'd also like to hear about what i might be interested in if there's something out there which has helped you convert 
your um, super's curious friend or someone who never thought they'd be into that kind of stuff and doesn't like Spider-Man. Well, uh, what what have you played that's dragged them in and got them to be a raving fanboy or even just, you know, reasonably interested? That'd be great to hear. Cool. Okay, well, let's wrap it up then, mate. Let's not bring this topic back to life like a dodgy comic book villain. Let's leave it leave it in its grave for all time. So uh, uh, usual mentions at the end of these things. So thanks ever so much to our Patreons for, um, for donating a, a dollar or five to us, which they do every month without fail. Really grateful for that. Uh, don't let them feel so lonely. Join them. <laughs> we'll take anyone's money. Um, it's a massive encouragement to us to keep doing podcasts. We love doing it anyway. And the co- podcast will always remain free as long as people are giving us money, which is something I'll need <laughs> to work out for yourself. So <laughs> that's enough from me, mate. I'm starting to lose the plot. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And as always, we appreciate your comments and ideas for future podcasts. So don't hesitate to contact us at one of the usual places. Bye for now. Cheers, then. Thank you.